You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore, and I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you doing today? Hey, Robert. I'm doing okay today. Today is an okay yeah. day. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know we were just talking right before the show that today is a day that I'm just holding a little space for grief um, as you know, someone that I had cared about for many years, um, I just found out last night had passed away. And so um, yeah. holding space for grief alongside the opportunity to uh, be here with you and to talk about all the things, I don't know, whatever, you know, yeah. what we're going to be talking about today. You know, I'm just trying to sit here and hold all the complexity of that. So that is my honest yeah. answer for today. I am doing okay. How are you doing? Yeah. I am, I'm, I'm doing okay. I, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I do know mm. that we had talked about it a little bit before, but you know, I, I appreciate the vulnerable answer there and, and being honest, you know, even as we kind of record and I think it's easy to slip into, Hey, I'm great. How are you? You yeah. know, that kind of thing. And so being honest about that in like a more public sphere, I know is uh, not the easiest thing, but you know, I appreciate uh, mm. you kind of modeling, uh, holding that tension for obviously for, for me as a friend, but also for our listeners. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that's the, the space you're in. And, mm. um, you know, since you asked, I'm excited to, to be here and talking with you and, uh, yeah. 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 Me too. Me too. No, and I appreciate everything you just said. It's, I do feel like we, we need to model that there are days where things are great and there are days where things are hard and that is all okay. Cause that's just the spectrum of all of yeah. this, right? And especially at this intersection that we talk about. Right. And there's there's days where both of those things are true simultaneously. That right. I mean, exactly I think exactly we can get into some of that, I think, with this episode, but mm-hmm. you know, it's there are days where some things are great and you say this thing is awesome and this other thing is very hard and heartbreaking mm-hmm. and I'm I'm grieving that. And those can both be true at the same time, even when it kind of feels like, okay, I have to pick and choose. Yeah. Holding that tension is hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I, but yeah, but I think it's necessary and yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's okay. Yeah. So I do, you know, I, I do recognize we are now in October officially. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that feels a little strange in some ways because I still feel like we're in, we're supposed to be like in March, right? But no, it's October. (laughs) And I know that next week you and I have this summit on the church mental health summit that's coming up, Yeah, which we've talked about once or twice over the last couple of weeks. But I'd love to hear, A, is there something that you love just about October in general? And Mm. B, nodding to that upcoming church mental health summit, is there a session that you are excited to get to listen to. Yeah. Um, well, I will answer the first half of that while mm-hmm. I go open the link and scroll through all the speakers to answer <laughs> the second half of that. Um, I will say, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, so no, you're totally fine. I actually do like October just the, and I know we've, I, I, 
I try to uh, make sure we're not like talking about the weather a bunch in the intros, mm-hmm. uh, but the cooler weather, like, so we went out for lunch right before this, Brooke and I did, mm-hmm. and this is like my favorite weather where it's like mm-hmm. a little bit cool and you don't need a jacket, but like you could put one on, especially mm-hmm. later in the day, right? Like that's my favorite weather just because I feel like I can spend much more time outside without sweating a whole bunch and being, you know, being like wildly uncomfortable outside, mm-hmm. um, especially here in Georgia where it's super humid. So I do love that. And then the fall, I think I mentioned this last year potentially, but the fall is like my favorite season of all of them. Mm. just the the weather and then obviously this year it looks massively different but football season yeah uh, not necessarily for the game itself but for the like communal aspect which like I said this year obviously is very different Mm -hmm. um, because usually that's like a built-in you know every weekend you have kind of an excuse to hang out with people and and you know host Mm -hmm. a little event or whatever so this year that looks very different but a lot of the fall type things still are obviously happening right and so I do get that sense of like ooh, I, I love this time of year mm-hmm. um, so I love I mean I just, I just enjoy fall in general in October particularly here in Georgia right October is like when you can actually kind of start to feel that I think yeah you know, September should be maybe but like hey it's still really hot so yeah uh, I think you know we're just starting to to feel all of that so yeah um, that's that mm-hmm. I'm scrolling through and you know uh, what? You know what? What is fascinating about this list of speakers here mm-hmm. is, and I, I think I alluded to this before, like the first time we talked about it. But so many of these people are people that we love and respect, or yeah. have had on the show. Well, I should say, and have had on the show, or mm-hmm. have interacted with. So, I mean, if you're a longtime listener of the show, right, you should, if you scroll through this, you should recognize just. I mean, a bunch of these names, mm-hmm. uh, you'll recognize Dr. Steven Gersovich, you'll recognize Dr. Holly Oxhandler. I just scrolled past yours mm-hmm. there with your nice picture. Mm-hmm. Brad Hoffs, I don't think we've had him on, but I've I've chatted with him some, right? Kristen Kansevich, mm-hmm. um, Dave, Dave Eckert, yep. right? Like, I mean, just tons and tons of people, Amy Simpson, I'm scrolling through. I know you and I are both friends with Sarah Robinson. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to just like name all of them, right? But just scrolling through, it's, it is it is cool how much overlap there is in terms of like people that I know and love and respect and say like, yeah, these are great voices at this intersection are also, you know, speaking at this. And so mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe like one that I'm, that I'm really looking forward to, although I am excited to watch yours, uh, but I just think it's such a cool... Like I'm excited to get to go through and and kind of hear from all of these people and yeah. the people that I don't know, right? There's a there's a bunch of people on here that also I'm like, oh, I don't know this person, but this looks really cool. Yeah. And so I'm just excited to be able to to go through over. Obviously, it streams live for one day, but then you can get the whatever the all access pass or whatever mm-hmm. it is for to be able to go back and watch them. And you know, I'm excited to kind of go back through and watch. Yeah. A lot of them that sound really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, from a professional side but also just from like a I'm a human being who cares about this stuff yeah. side yeah no I yeah. I agree well what about you uh, I guess either of those questions right like things that you uh, like about October or what are you most excited about watching or or being part of this summit yeah well I can I think I can answer at least the October one pretty quickly and say that I love that 
this time of year and the weather that we have out here in Texas reminds me so much of what it's like to be in upstate New York. And mm. um, it just brings me back to that cooler weather and, you know, less humidity and the rainy days. And I just, I love that. So, and yeah. I am a pumpkin spice fan. So now I get to have my pumpkin spice coffee, which is great. There so, you go. Just everywhere. Yep. yep. So I love that. Did but you then, know? what? That pumpkin spice flavorings has no pumpkin flavoring in it? I did know that because I worked at oh. Starbucks for a very oh. long time. So, oh. yeah, I did. Well, fine. Mm-hmm. Well, for our listeners, in case anyone said, what? That's the spices <laughs> that <laughs> traditionally go on a pumpkin pie, right? That's right. So there's mm-hmm. no – it doesn't actually taste like pumpkin. It tastes like the spices from a pumpkin pie. That's right. I think I learned that like last year. That's so, so cool. I love Although, it. I don't get a lot of pumpkin spice things, but I'm a fan of weird fun facts. That's <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. But yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you there. Yeah. Uh, no, that's okay. No, I was just going to say just as far as like the speakers for this upcoming event, I mean, I'm certainly excited to get to listen to yours. Um, and it is really neat to see how many of our previous guests are going to be on, um, that are going to be presenting at the summit. And also I'm hopeful that maybe, you know, there's going to be some folks that as we listen to their talks, we're going to be thinking, oh my gosh, our CXMH listeners really need to hear this. And I'm hoping that maybe we'll find some future guests too from this conference. So, or this summit. So I'm excited for that too. Yeah. Well, we will put, I know it's been in there the last couple of weeks, but if you're listening to this and you're like, what are you talking about? We will put a link in the show notes that you can go check it out, check out all the information, and then you can register for either just the free version where you just stream them all live or for the, whatever the upgraded one is called. Mm-hmm. I, I think they call it the All Access Pass. I actually don't know the that's formal it. No, name. that's exactly it's... what it's called. Good job. Cool. Uh, yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. And you, or you could uh, do that if you want to be able to go back and, and watch them all. Okay. Well, one other thing about October mm-hmm. is it's kind of a shift into fall, wintry type things, mm-hmm. which means that it gets darker earlier. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we uh, maybe have to spend a little bit more time in the dark. That's right. Look at you with your segue. I love this. I hope. I wish we had some kind of rating where people could like <laughs> rate our segues <laughs> because I feel like I feel like we really enjoy. Uh, making the segues and I don't know that anybody cares this is what's fun for us is like how creative can our segues be no I love that well do you want to tell our listeners about this episode sure yeah we are joined by Dr. Michelle Pierce who we had previously had on in episode I believe it was 55 Mm -hmm. and we are talking about her new book Night Bloomers 12 Principles for Thriving in Adversity Mm mm-hmm you know, she talks with us about those 12 principles, about what night bloomers even means, right? And mm-hmm. uh, kind of just this idea of thriving in adversity. Uh, and I mean, it's something that I think is is timely for all of us, whether yeah. you're going through something that is kind of like, that you would acknowledge is like big scale hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, she talks about a story of hers, an experience of hers, or just existing in 2020 because I think we're, I mean yeah. it just it is a hard time right it and is. that's not yeah. you know I know it's easy to say like this you know 2020 is whatever I'm not being glib about it like it's a it's a very hard time and so yeah I think you know it's it's interesting to hear her talk through these these 12 principles and uh, explain some of them unpack some of them as well as share a little bit of of kind of 
her experience with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought this conversation was timely. Her book is timely. And I think these 12 principles are great in thinking through just this process of blooming in the dark and what that all means and how do we go about doing that, knowing that this isn't necessarily something we can control, but just kind of noticing those patterns of what it means to be a night bloomer. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for our listeners to get to hear this one and definitely want to encourage them to pick up this book and yeah. We will step aside and let you hear our interview with Dr. Michelle Pierce. All right, enjoy y'all. Hey, welcome back. Uh, this week we have Dr. Michelle Pierce on the show. She is a clinical psychologist and a professor in the graduate school at the University of Maryland, Baltimore. She's a board-certified health and wellness coach, a writing consult, I'm sorry, a writing for wellness facilitator, an educator, a program director, a researcher, a clinical supervisor, a consultant, and an author. She carries and wears lots of hats. Dr. Pierce is also a spiritual seeker. She's a woman of faith and uh, a night bloomer. She's the author of Religion and Recovery from PTSD, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Christians with Depression, which we got to talk about back on episode 55. Um, And her newest book that we're going to be talking about today is called Night Bloomers, 12 Principles for Thriving in Adversity. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, we're just so excited to have you on the show. Um, Is there anything else that I missed in your fancy bio there? (laughs) No, that was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Uh, Well, you are most welcome. I pulled that lovely introduction from the lovely description that you have on your website (laughs) that will point to folks to check out a little bit later on. So let's start with talking about how last time you came on the show, you talked with us about your um, your book, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Christians with Depression, which is such a phenomenal resource for mental health care providers who are wanting to pay attention um, to this area of clients' lives as they're doing uh, work with clients. And and not just for mental health care providers, but for others. But it was largely based on the, the research that you had done. Um, Today, we're going to focus more on a book that unpacks much more around your personal journey. Do you mind giving us and starting with a bit of an overview and a backstory around what motivated you to write this book? Certainly. Yes. So, you know, it turns out I've been a night bloomer my whole life, and I didn't have the name for that until 2013 when I was going through the end of my marriage. And I was in clinic one day, not long after my husband said he was leaving, and I got a text message from a friend, and it was this picture of this vibrant pink flower, and the message said, night blooming cactus, I've cared for this cactus for years, and it finally bloomed last night. And those two sentences, that pink flower, they changed everything. So here were my thoughts. My first thought was, there are flowers that bloom in the dark? And then my second thought was, wow, that means that there are flowers that require the dark to bloom. And then my third thought was, I think there are people that need the dark to bloom too. And I'm one of them. I'm a night bloomer. Hmm. And I think there are a lot of us night bloomers out there. There are people who need the trials and the suffering and the loss and the life upheavals to experience the growth and transformation they need to come into the fullness of who they're supposed to be. 
And mm. so that's really where the whole idea for this book came from. Yeah. Man, that's really good. I yeah. love that. So thinking about, I mean, obviously the, the subtitle there is about principles for thriving in adversity, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. when we think about thriving in adversity, we think about kind of resilience or, or things like that. Can you talk a bit about how blooming in the dark, because that feels kind of like a distinct concept from mm-hmm. just resilience, mm-hmm. right? What's, what's kind of the difference there? Yeah, great question. So they're similar, resilience and blooming in the dark, but they're not quite the same. So the American Psychological Association defines resilience as a process of adapting well in the face of adversity or as bouncing back from a difficult experience. And blooming in the dark includes that idea of resilience, but it's about more than that. So when you bloom in the dark, you're not just bouncing back from a trauma or adapting to adversity. You're actually becoming more as a result of that trauma or that Mm. adversity. So you're essentially, you're harnessing the energy of that adversity to propel yourself forward in life. And you can think of it like you allow the force that collapsed something in your life to be the very energy that causes you to become a better version of yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. I love that distinction of how you've unpacked that in terms of how it is different from resilience. One thing that I know we've talked about on the show before that I I just want to kind of touch base on really quickly is that what you are sharing there is not the same as like spiritual bypassing. Is that correct? correct? That's correct. Can you can you unpack that and how spiritual bypassing is different from what you're talking about here? Yes, I think it comes down to the word effort. <laughs> spiritual bypassing mm. is a quick way to, uh, I think of it like an easy solution. You sort of, you're, you're bypassing over the real work. And blooming in the dark, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work to bloom in the dark. Mm. It takes real persistence and patience and intention. And I mean, it's the reason why I wrote the book, because it's a guide map. It's 12 principles for what we need to do when we're in the dark to actually bloom. Because being in the dark, it's not a guarantee for transformation and growth. It's an opportunity. And we have work to do in the dark if we want to make the most use of that opportunity. That's so good. Yeah. So it, it sounds like in the way you described it, right? Kind of the difference between like, oh, I'm I'm pretending it's not that dark and therefore I can keep blooming or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Versus like, no, I'm fully embracing the fact that this is dark and still am blooming mm-hmm. using some of that. I don't know. That's kind of how it sounded to me as in terms of yes. like bypassing versus like, no, I'm I'm leaning into it and recognizing the the weight of it and then also moving forwards. That's right. Yeah. I like that, Robert. Yeah, that's good. That's that's helpful in understanding that. Well, I mean, so can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you, you just talked a little bit on like, what is a night bloomer? Do you think that anyone can become a night bloomer? Do you think like that there are only certain folks who are kind of wired to be night bloomers? Yes. I mean, the short answer is yes, I do think anyone can be, but it's a choice. And that, in fact, the first principle of blooming in the dark is sending an intention. So we won't we don't have a choice about what we go through in life. It's it's inevitable. 2020, you know, there's not a lot we can do mm-hmm. about it. We're here. Yeah. It's part yeah. of our human experience, but we do have a choice about how we respond to it and who we want to become as a result of it. So again, the blooming in the dark doesn't happen automatically. 
But if we can adopt the perspective of a night bloomer, it opens up a new possibility for us. It opens up new options for what we do with what life has served up. Gosh, that's really good. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I have three questions actually I could give your listeners if they want to start to adopt this perspective of a night bloomer. Yeah, so no, just, for sure. Yeah, just thinking about what, what you're going through right now in 2020 and all this hardship, you can ask yourself these, these three questions. So first, who do I want to be during this time? And second, how do I want to show up in my life? And then third, who do I want to have become once we're on the other side of this? So if you'll take some time and, and reflect on those and journal on those questions, you start to set up a vision for who you are in this and who you are becoming through this. And then you're able to plan out ways that you're going to purposefully act to become that person. And that's essentially the first step of setting that vision and that perspective of I'm going to be a night bloomer. Hmm. That's awesome. Those are yeah. such good practical questions mm-hmm. to start with. Yeah. I love that. That's really yeah. good. So right there, you talked about setting an intention to bloom, right? Which I know actually mm-hmm. that's a, you kind of laid out the segue for us, right? Because that's the first of these 12 principles in this book. Can you talk some about how, how you came up with these 12 principles? Uh, and then maybe we can shift into talking about some of them. Sure. So basically I came up with them from what I've learned from practicing psychotherapy for what, nearly two decades now and from my own seasons in the dark. But also importantly, are the principles are grounded in psychological research. So every principle, it has some empirical evidence to support that this is going to be effective. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to me. As you know, I have a researcher hat, Mm -hmm. educator (laughs) hat that I wear. And I wanted to make sure that what I'm offering to the world were things that didn't just work for me and haven't just worked for my clients, but also the research says that, yes, you can can expect that these things are going to work for you. Oh, that's so good. You're just speaking to my research heart. And I know I didn't (laughs) mention that earlier in the conversation, um, but for our listeners who didn't listen to the last episode, um, Michelle and I actually do research together and she has just been such a wonderful colleague Mm -hmm. in the work that we have gotten to do that I know Ken Pargament really was the one who brought us together, but it's been such a delight to get to continue doing this work with you. It has been. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. And so I love that you really do emphasize the the value of research within each of these. So, I mean, and so I guess that that could lead into just walking through a little bit more in terms of what are those 12 principles that you write about in the book and, you know, and to our listeners, not only does Michelle write about each of these principles that she'll go through in a moment, but also she has these little check-in sections with, uh, with each of the chapters and so questions to reflect on them and, and a tip for the reader to consider, and even a whole section of like how you could go through this as a group. So there's just, there's tons of rich content in this book, but let's, I guess, I'll move out of the way. I'd love for you to walk through those 12 principles and describe them. Sure, I'd be happy to. And yes, thanks for mentioning some of those tools in the book. I wanted to make sure that this was really practical for people. Um, When you're going through loss and adversity and life upheavals, the last thing you need is just an academic book (laughs) telling you that it's possible to thrive in adversity. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote this book because it is the book that I needed when I was in the dark. That's the gist of it. Mm. And so I wanted it to be practical. I wanted it to be easy to use. 
And so I have structured it such that there is a principle and then you have the writing prompts or the reflection prompts to really help you experience that principle in your own life. So yes, let me take the listeners through the different principles. So we talked about the first one that was setting an intention to bloom. And that's really setting up the vision you want for yourself and for your life as you're going through this process. The next one is tough. This is this is a tough one, and it, but it is a critical one. And that's grieving before growing. It is essential that we mourn our losses and we acknowledge the pain before we try to grow. And I think this helps us to avoid toxic positivity, you know, and that's a little bit like sort of the spiritual bypassing that we were talking about before Mm -hmm. is that when we're in pain, we can't skip that. (laughs) We have to do our time. And sometimes, you know, that chapter, that principle will take you a long time and sometimes you'll dip it in, in and out of it, but don't skip it. That's really important. The next one is supporting your bloom. And here I say, you know, don't try to get through the dark alone. You need to have a essentially a garden of support around you. And so I talk about plants that get staked because they need that extra support as they're growing. And I give the reader some ideas of how to build that support team for yourself. Hmm. The next one, which I found uh, extra difficult being someone who likes to know how things all work out, is called being in the dark. So ironically, blooming in the dark requires being in the dark. And by that, I mean, is we don't know how things all turn out that we are in the dark middle of our story and what you do in the middle determines what kind of end you're going to have. So I really help Mm. the listeners and the readers to find some peace of being in the dark. The next one is expanding courageously. So of course, growing means expanding and that takes a lot of courage. So I provide some, some tips and some tools of how to start to courageously expand in your life. The sixth principle is keeping your mind on blooming. And here I teach readers to really harness the power of their mind to help them to bloom because what we pay attention to matters. So I give them some tips Mm. and tools around that. The next one, which may be especially interesting to your listeners, is wrestling with the divine gardener. And by divine gardener, I mean God or the sacred or transcendent. And here I provide a spiritual perspective on loss and adversity and suffering that has been helpful for both myself and a lot of my clients. The eighth principle is fertilizing with love and gratitude. I call love and gratitude our superpowers in the dark. And so I'm teaching readers how to use those in their blooming process. The ninth principle is mining the mess. That's a term I use with my clients when we look back at the mess of our lives and we find the lessons to be learned. And we mine that mess for every gem that's in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also say mines are dangerous places. They're dark and they're dangerous. And once you've mined all the mess, you've got all the jewels, get out of the mine. So, uh, you know, some, Mm -hmm. some tips for that. The next one is accepting and letting go. If you're going to move into something new, you've really got to accept and let go of the past. The 11th one is waiting and watering. Because let's face it, most of growing and agriculture is waiting. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of perseverance. I give tools for the reader how to, how to get through the, the waiting period. And then finally, when we get to blooming, it's celebrating and sharing the harvest. And that's really how do we give back to others from the bloom we've just experienced? And then how do we set ourselves up for more blooms in the future? Because this, unfortunately, is not a one-time process in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. I, yeah. I especially like how you noted that, that this isn't a one-time process mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah, that's that's good. 
I'd love to say it was. I wish I could have gone through this one time <laughs> and be done with it. But uh, 2020 has revealed that this is not a one-time thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, you know, obviously you're listing all those and giving us brief descriptions, but I'm curious about, you know, during your own blooming journey, the journey that you talk about in this book and that is based around at least the beginning of, right? And obviously it plays out kind of in, in a bunch of different scenarios, but was one of these the hardest principle for you during your blooming journey that you really kind of wrestled with like, oh, I wish this step wasn't wasn't here? Yes, absolutely. It's the being in the dark that fourth principle. Mm. Um, as I said, I'm driven. I like to be in control. And I found the uncertainty of the dark really challenging. Just being in that limbo state was uncomfortable. And so, you know, there's a year in Maryland, or at least there was between getting separated and being divorced and having to contend with, I didn't know how it was all going to turn out. I had a desired outcome that the marriage would work, but I had to detach from that. I had to really accept what was that I was in the dark, like you said before, Robert, and it, it be in that dark middle of the story. And I use the metaphor of stories as a metaphor for being in the dark. So a story has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. And it's the middle of the story where characters are challenged. It's where characters are invited to bloom. And the middle is where we have to put in the work. It's where we show what we're made of. And like I said yeah. before, it's, it's where what we do in the middle determines how good the ending is going to be. And so there's a lot of work. We talked about before, like the work of being in the dark, the work happens in this dark middle. And I'm actually retrospectively glad that I didn't know how it would all turn out. I'm glad I didn't know that I was going to end up divorced and I'd go on to be you know, very happy and live a very fulfilled life. Because if I knew that, I wouldn't have gone through the growing pains of developing my character in the ways that I did. I wouldn't have had these amazing spiritual experiences or experiences with friends and family. So I'm really proud of the work that I did in that dark middle and the woman I've become. And so I would encourage the, you know, the readers to do the same, that it is worth the work that we need to do in the mm -hmm. dark middle to get to that end of the story. Yeah, that's so good. It just it just so resonates with me what you were just saying about how how worth it it is and how much in a lot of ways like it's sometimes it really is better to not know how it's yeah. going to all end up because there is this growth that happens within that that in between phase mm -hmm. that's really, that dark phase specifically that's right yep yeah. Well, you, you alluded to this when you were going through the 12 principles that in particular, that wrestling with the divine gardener might be something mm -hmm. that our listeners recognizing that we largely, most of our listeners are either mental health care providers, faith leaders, or someone who loves someone or has mental health struggles. Can you talk a little bit more about that principle of wrestling with the divine gardener? Sure. I'd be happy to. So as you know, being in the dark doesn't just impact us emotionally or mentally or physically. Being in the dark also rocks us spiritually and sometimes to the very core. And I don't think we talk about this enough in our, in our culture. So I'm really appreciative of your yeah. podcast because you do. You talk about this and you certainly talk about this in your research, Holly. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we know that when we go through difficult times, sometimes they shatter us spiritually and we yeah. abandon our faith. And interestingly, sometimes it has the opposite reaction, that we find that our faith is strengthened in the dark, and it was a major thing that got us through. So in the book, mm -hmm. I'm definitely not taking on the question about why God lets bad things happen to good people. I can't even begin to do that question justice. 
but I do provide a spiritual perspective on growth and transformation. And if you'd be interested, I could briefly summarize that for you. Yeah, no, please okay. do. Yeah. yeah, great. Okay. So when I lived in North Carolina, I went to a vineyard and met with one of the, the vine dressers. That's the person who takes care of the vineyard. And he taught me a thing or two about vineyards. <laughs> and he said, the most important thing a vine dresser can do is to prune the vines after a harvest. He said the biggest mistake that novice vine dressers make is not cutting off enough of the vine. Hmm. So when you look at a vineyard in the fall, winter, it's a very different place than it was in the summer. And the, the vine dresser himself looks like he's gone through a personality change. So he you know, really looked after this vineyard. They produce a beautiful crop for him, sustained his livelihood. And then you see the vine dresser and he is hacking down the vines. Like, and it must look so cruel mm. from the outside. It must feel horrendous to the vine who's just you know, given their life to produce this fruit. Mm. But actually this pruning, this hacking down is the most loving thing the vine dresser can do for the vine because it's setting them up to be bigger and better tasting every year. And so I learned that the vine that is loved suffers and the vine that is loved loses part of itself. And in contrast, the vine that is not loved, it's left alone and it's allowed to be comfortable and content. And I thought, yeah. I think this applies to the divine gardener. Again, I'm using that term for God, that he allows these painful situations in our lives, what I'm going to call pruning in the dark, to do the very same thing for us, that he's actually setting us up to become all that he knows that we can be. And I have to say that this perspective, that understanding that the divine gardener has a loving intent behind these actions that I don't understand has really helped me to hold on to my own faith through these dark times. And the last thing I'll add here is that I also think the divine gardener uses these dark times for us to get to know him in ways in the dark that we could never know him in the light. So when I went through my own process, you know, God showed up differently for me in the dark. And there were aspects I learned about his character and how he wanted to relate to me that I didn't know and I would never have had the chance to experience had I not been in the dark. And so I use this principle of wrestling with the divine gardener to say that I think it's really important that we engage with the questions. I, I It wasn't all, no pun intended, but like all roses for me going through this period of time you know, spiritually. I, I wrestled with God. I brought him a lot of questions. I was angry sometimes and a lot of things I didn't understand, but expressing those emotions, feeling them, and at the same time, acknowledging that we have a really limited perspective and that he might be up to things that we don't even understand that are ultimately for our good, just like the, the real vine dresser in this uh, example I gave from North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I think these are there are ways that we can deepen and expand our spiritual lives that aren't possible in the light. Yeah. No, I... I appreciate the, um, especially like the vulnerability in, in your journey and how that um, analogy with the vine dresser, you know, how that so clearly spoke to you in terms of what you were navigating and going through and how that was one way in which God was refining and, and taking away and removing and, and, and how, how important that was for your journey. One thing I, I definitely want to be mindful of, because I know that we have had listeners who've gone through perhaps some spiritual trauma where perhaps faith leaders might use some similar language to mm -hmm. communicate like, 
well, actually, it's really good that you're going through those hard mm. times. And mm. in the ways that faith leaders will say that to individuals that yeah. are traumatic. So I really want to make sure that we're clarifying that that this was certainly something that was helpful for you in your journey and in your experience. But what it wouldn't be something that we would tell another person like, hey, that painful thing that you're going through is good. And that's a good thing that God's doing for you. Right. I just want to make sure I'm clarifying. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. I actually clarified this right up front in the very front part of the book. And then I I come back to it several times. I think this caveat is extremely important. And so I do say many times, blooming in the dark is not about what got us into the dark, you know, whether it's death or illness or you know, child addicted to drugs or job loss, whatever, none of those things are good or right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the point is never to get to the point where we think they're good or right. What it means instead, and and of course, it doesn't mean that we should purposely seek out suffering. (laughs) We're not looking for suffering so that we could grow in the dark. That just happens naturally. Rather, the message of blooming in the dark is that the dark is presenting us with this unique opportunity that if we can harness it skillfully, we can propel our life forward in ways that we couldn't if the darkness never happened. Mm. And I also say in the chapter on wrestling with the divine gardener, I personally don't believe God causes these bad things to happen. I instead think that he will use them somehow for our benefit, for our good, for his glory. So in the book, I give right up front, say before I write that chapter, I need you to know two things about me. I need you to know that I believe in a good God, and I need you to know that I do not understand all the things he allows in this world, that some of these things don't make any sense to me, and they never will. So I put that out there as my limited perspective, that I don't know why some of these things happen, and I'm certainly not saying that they are good or they are right. So yes, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, no, for sure. That's... That's, I think that's much more helpful in understanding and and knowing that you do kind of elevate that in the book um, Mm -hmm. is helpful um, because, yeah, I just want to be, I don't, I don't want to encourage faith leaders to continue some of that messaging. I agree. Yeah. Or, or for mental health care providers to echo some of that either. So I think that nuance is just so, it's just such a tricky I mean, it's all tricky, but like, I just want to be yeah. careful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that that clarification, because I even think like the, you know, you kind of distinguished right between God causes bad things to, you know, kind of this like, oh, this terrible thing happened so that you could learn patience or whatever, right? Versus like, no matter what happens, God will work through that because mm-hmm. that's the, the way that it, you know, and mm-hmm. so I think that distinction is, has always been something that I've found helpful in terms of shying away from Oh, a God that causes like really mm-hmm. terrible traumatic things or, or, or whatever to do yeah. you know. to accomplish things. But like, hey, this happened and no matter what happens, like God is going to find a way to use that for whatever type of growth and things like that, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I also say in that chapter, before I explain this potential metaphor, I say some of you will find comfort in this, just like some of my clients feel find comfort in this metaphor, this analogy. And some of you won't, you know, for some of you that this isn't, it just won't resonate. And for those people, I hope they will continue to wrestle, you know, the divine gardener in the dark and to find the analogy or to find the thing that they need that will help them to find some meaning. Because really, 
it's interesting. We use we have all said the the phrase "time heals all wounds," mm. and actually, it's not true. The research, yeah. uh, especially in the bereavement literature, shows meaning. Meaning is what heals all wounds, and when we can mm. find a, a meaning for what we're going through, that's what allows us to begin to move forward and to heal. So I simply pre- present this metaphor as a way that I found some meaning in my suffering. And the Mm -hmm. principles in this book and certainly all of the journal prompts are to help people find meaning within their suffering because I know that that is what will help them heal. Yeah, that's so good. That's that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. And it, it certainly kind of segues right into what our next question was around writing and journaling. And, and so I would love to hear why, you know, talk about the practice of writing and journaling and why did you choose this practice as a tool for experiencing the principles of night blooming? Mm-hmm. So writing is an incredible tool for healing and growth. I've used it personally my whole life. I've used it in my clinical practice for 20 years. I've run journaling workshops and I've just found again and again that people feel and report feeling happier, lighter, you know, more hopeful, less worried. And they're astonishing, astonished that they can get that benefit after just writing for a short period of time. Um, most people mm. think of journaling as dear diary, dear diary. This is what happened to my day, <laughs> right? And that's not at all what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, I'm talking about guided writing prompts that help you to reflect and really go deep on a certain topic. And so I wanted to use this tool in this book because, again, it, it was important to me that this is a practical book. And so at the end of each principle, when I lay out these carefully crafted writing prompts, they help the reader to experience whatever that principle is. And, you know, it's not just my clinical practice that I've discovered this. There's 30 plus years of research showing the positive effects of writing on our mental and our physical health and why this works. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons out there. Part of it is that we're acknowledging that suffering and then we're processing it. Part of it is that we're reconstructing the narrative of our lives. So when I talk to that beginning, middle, and end of our story, journaling is a way to recraft that narrative. It's a way to find meaning in suffering. It's a way to find purpose and perspective. And it's a way to discover lessons out of those challenging circumstances. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously you're talking about writing or journaling, but I know people find different types of creative outlets to be helpful. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, certain like having read some of the book and knowing you and, and all that that if somebody gets the book and they say well maybe journaling you know I I, I want to take the basic concepts but maybe I'm going to do some sketching or I'm going to do some paint right like that that it, it would yes. all still be applicable if somebody says well I don't know about this although I also would say like give it a shot yeah absolutely in fact there's even an art project as one of the writing prompts mm. so although I call them writing prompts there are a number of things that the the people have to go and take action so, okay, write about the support system you want to build up, the what I call stakes in your garden. Uh, who do you want in your life? Well, then the next step is to actually go and make that happen. So, yes, you're going to do some processing on the page, but that much of the processing is setting you up to then go take real action in your life. Yeah, yeah. that's good. So I know our listeners, you know, as Holly mentioned, we have faith leaders or mental health care providers. <clears throat> both of those whom are are helping other people walk through these things. 
in from different perspectives or, you know, individuals who are listening who maybe are helping other people or are walking through a lot of this themselves, although maybe we're all just walking through some of this right mm-hmm. now. Um, but so for kind of each of those groups, right, like what would you say are some of the most important takeaways or maybe even just one takeaway for each, whether I'm helping somebody else kind of navigate this or if I'm navigating this? Yeah, and I, I think probably for all the groups, the main takeaway is that there's another way of looking at pain and suffering, and mm-hmm. that is as a chance to bloom in the dark. So I mean, there's fascinating research that's shown that our perception creates our reality. And the way we look at things, it really matters, and it really matters mm-hmm. for how we're moving through pain and suffering. And I've noticed that when we have a change in perspective, it doesn't ch- just change what we see. It also changes what we think. It changes how we feel changes what options and possibilities are available to us, how we're relating to ourselves and and others, and and whether we're feeling hopeful or we're feeling despair. So what I wanted to offer readers was there's another way of looking at this and to then provide some tools. So, okay, if you take this perspective of a night bloomer, then here are the things you can do to begin to build on that perspective. And I think that's really the main takeaway, whether you are in the dark yourself or you're trying to help someone who is finding themselves in the dark. Yeah, that's really good. That's so important. Well, and right along with that, one thing we always like to do um, with these episodes, especially the ones that are elevating a book or some piece of work that someone's been working on for a long time, I think some of this ties in with the takeaway that you just offered, but I would love to hear like what, if you had to identify like what is your hope for this work? My hope for this work is that it helps people get through, you know, these difficult times. When I was going through the dark and I remember saying, when I get through this, I want, I want, here's the word I use. I want redemption. <laughs> if I have to go through all this pain, I don't just want to get to the other side of it. I don't just want to be a better woman for it. I want to help so many other people to also get through their dark times. And to me, that feels like redemption. And I'll give you this metaphor. When you make a financial investment, you're not looking for a zero return rate. (laughs) You want something out of that investment. Mm. And when we go through difficult times in our lives, it is a huge investment. Like for me, that was a year plus of time and effort and emotional work and therapy and investing finances and all the rest of it. And I wanted a return from that investment. And so... I didn't just want me to end up as a beautiful bloom. I wanted to be able to look out and see this field of beautiful blooms, knowing that so many other people had hope and a new perspective and the tools they needed to get through the dark times in their lives. And that's my hope for this book. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Well, hey, listeners, if you want to connect with Michelle, you can do that at drmichellepierce.com, which I'll say is such a good looking website. What a, it what a good is. Website. Get out uh, to Robert. On Instagram at Bloom with Dr. Michelle. She also offers journaling workshops. So make sure you check out that chunk of her website as well. And you can pick up any of Michelle's books wherever you buy books. You can connect with Holly at hollyoxandler.com or on any social media at hollyoxandler. You can connect with me at robert-vore.com or on any social media at robertvore. You can connect with the show all over the place. Michelle, thank you so much for coming mm, back on the show for yeah. a second time. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? 
I do. And thank you again to, to both of you for having me. Here's what I'd say. You know, 2020 has been a very dark year for many of us. And I want the listeners to remember that these dark times don't need to destroy us. And we also don't have to just bounce back to where we were before the difficulty came, that we could use this darkness of this year to propel ourselves further in life and to become better than we were before we found ourselves in the dark. And we do that not in spite of the difficulty, but because of it. And that's what night bloomers do, we bloom in the dark. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH Podcast at gmail.com. 